So it's almost fascinating to watch how the so-called beliefs and theories of the administration haven't connected with the American people. This is not about where you are politically. This is simply about what's been happening. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great uh, to be with you. If if uh, I'm not a poll guy, right? I, I don't. I never believe just one poll. But as I've often discussed, you can take an amalgam of things and put them together and and get some trends, right? Believing one poll, those days are over for me. So it was Rasmussen working with uh, Heartland.org, where nearly two thirds of voters don't want Biden to run for reelection. And you see how both Trump or DeSantis could beat Biden in an election. There is real, real anger out there. And then there's this poll about where voters are at. And where voters are at is they are more worried about energy prices. That's a top subject. Sterling Burnett joins us right now. Dr. Burnett, director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy. He's the managing editor of Environment and Climate News and, of course, works with the Heartland Institute, heartland.org. You've been taking a look at uh, this study, taking a look at this information. It's 82% of voters who are saying they're either very or somewhat concerned about rising energy and gas prices under the Biden administration, were they just worried about the prices or were they worried about why the prices were rising? Well, they're worried about both, but they're worried about the effect the prices are having on every other thing they purchase in inflation. You know, it's it's all tied together and the voters get it. Evidently, the Biden administration doesn't. So when there's a conversation about uh, the energy prices, uh, one of the things that the poll showed was that 60 percent of likely voters favor a law that would dramatically increase American energy production. And only 30 percent believe it is very likely that climate change will be catastrophic for humans, plants and animals within the next century. We'll leave that 30 percent number off to the side uh, for for a moment. It's the 60 percent. That's so interesting because this is where the political divide takes place. You could find everyone, uh, the vast majority of Americans, not everyone. There are some progressives who want high oil prices. They're super happy with it. Uh, The vast majority of Americans want low gas prices. uh, And you see 60% favoring a law that would dramatically increase American energy production. This is where the political divide is what actually would mean an increase in American energy production? How would that work? Well, it would mean rescinding a lot of the policies that Biden implemented and going back to policies that uh, Trump had instilled. So it means putting American domestic energy production first. So you rescind, you allow pipelines to get built. You, in fact, expedite pipelines. You don't uh, block, withdraw, support lawsuits that block pipelines. You don't impose new restrictions on oil and gas production uh, on public lands. You don't put moratoriums on oil and gas production on public lands. You don't install new rules saying you can't ship LNG through approved, with approved uh, natural gas containers on rails if you don't have pipelines. Uh, the Biden administration has, has gone through a series of rules intended to fight climate change that restrict oil and gas production. Uh, And 
some of these regulations have been struck down by the courts, and the Biden administration has consistently ignored the court orders, saying you must offer, by law, the law requires you to offer uh, new oil and gas leases. Biden administration just flouts that order. says, too bad. We're not going to do it. And then when they finally get around to doing some of it, they issue very restricted leases. The law says we are supposed to drill in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. It, it was a law passed by Congress. Biden says no. Uh, the law, we specifically set up uh, something called the uh, National Petroleum Reserve A, which is in Alaska. So it's National Petroleum Reserve. It's specifically set aside for oil production. Biden puts 80 percent of it off limits. <laughs> you, you're going to get higher oil and gas prices. Uh, and they were going up long before the war started. But ever since Biden. No, that much is true. Rising. That much is true. Talking to Dr. Sterling Burnett, director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy. Learn more at heartland.org. I want to go back to something that you said. First, LNG is liquid natural gas, right? Liquefied natural gas. But when you talk about pipelines and then trucking and, you know, on trains and then uh, creating situations where you can't put it on trains, you're talking Keystone Pipeline here. And and, and the... The, well, the argument's been on Keystone that even if this has been the Jen Psaki argument, even if we, we opened up the Keystone pipeline, it would be years before it was doing anything. And we're still, you know, shipping the, the, the energy out of Canada. So it's not like our energy changes. But yet there's this attitudinal theory that if we were to do this, you would see more willingness to try and develop the energy sources here. Did the, did the blocking of Keystone signal to oil companies, hey, you don't, don't even try and mess with the leases that you have. This, this administration is just going to shoot you down. Well, it did send that signal. The other things that sent that signal was them blocking other pipelines across the country. Um, but Jen Psaki just lied. I mean, that's, that's not, there's not even debate. Jen Psaki lied because 85% or more of the pipeline had already been built. All the domestic side of it, just the part crossing from Canada needed to be built, and that could have been built in a year. We could have been receiving oil from that pipeline had they not rescinded the permit. So uh, her, her claim, she, she acts like all of it had to be built. No, most of it was already built. And in fact, uh, some of the oil is now coming to the U.S. through a different pipeline, a workaround, we had we reversed a pipeline, and so about a third of the oil that could have come through Keystone is now coming through other pipelines from Canada. So to say that uh, we would not it would not have an effect is just it was a lie. So now let's take a look at some other uh, parts of this. This poll, by the way, had a thousand and four uh, likely voters in it. It was uh, April twenty eighth uh, to to May second. Is is there anybody that I don't know? I don't want to necessarily ask the question politically, but but allow me to, because there are certainly people on the quote unquote political right who also buy into a lot of the climate change arguments that I don't believe that they should. Is there any argument that works for anybody on the political left that can get them to a place where they start recognizing that an increase in American energy production, which, as you describe it, for example, is if you set aside land in Alaska, you don't take 80% of it and then say, no, you can't use this. You allow people to use it in totality. Those kinds of things. Um, is, is there 
is are there any places where there is a common ground or for lack of a better word i hate the expression but common cause on the idea of well we could do these three things and what are those three things well you know it's hard to tell because they're not treated as separate items it's just if you're going to increase oil and gas production the dem leadership look the dem leadership is different from democrats who are polled in this survey uh Six percent Republicans said you wanted more oil and gas production. Well, we know from past elections, independents are the swing. They're the ones that will make the difference. Fifty-seven percent of independents wanted oil and gas production, increased oil and gas production. But even forty-six percent of Democrats, almost half, wanted more oil and gas production. So mainstream Democrats, the average Democrat on the street, gets it. It's only their leadership led by radicals like the squad that don't understand this. Well, let's talk about the squad, because the poll says something very interesting, and this goes to the idea of indoctrination, not education. Talking uh, to uh, Dr. Sterling Burnett, director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy, managing editor of Environment and Climate News. You can get more at heartland.org. Here it is. Among younger likely voters between the ages of 19 and 39, 57% believe that climate change poses a catastrophic threat to humanity in the next 100 years. 73% are concerned about rising energy and gas prices, but they are more prone to favor policies that would deter energy production and limit carbon dioxide uh, emissions. They'd like for it to be cheaper, but they're afraid they're going to die, so they're okay with the cost and believe what they have been taught for over a, a, a generation. Education and uh, the education complex in this in this debate making things a lot easy, a lot more difficult to uh, to engage. Yeah, it is. But you know what was interesting about the poll is a couple of things. The only cohort, the only group of people that were more concerned about climate change than oil and gas production were the 18 to 29. So by race, by gender, by income, everybody else for addiction was more concerned about oil and gas prices than they were about climate change. Only 18 to 39-year-old youth. But even they, it, 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 it was sort of a close thing. By uh, two percentage points, uh, 18 to 39-year-olds favored carbon cuts over oil and gas creases. 39% wanted uh, carbon cuts. 37% wanted oil and gas increases. So even among the cohort where they overwhelmingly believe there will be catastrophic consequences in the next 100 years, 37% were saying, hold it. We've got to do something about the oil and gas prices. So that's heartening. Despite... Look, we've had 40 years of propagandizing in public schools, on the mainstream media, corporate media, uh, trying to convince people. For most people, they haven't convinced them. But, you know, where you've, you've captured use, there are you know, people born today that have never experienced anything like this, the gas prices. And they're waking up. <laughs> they're waking up. And well, as they start paying their electric bills for their iPads to charge their iPads and their cell phones – and for their uh, electric cars, they're going to wake up even more. So the fact that it was it was only two percent difference between those that wanted more production and want those that wanted cuts to fight climate change, I took to be a little bit heartening. 
But but it's only it, it's only a a a a good thing, a move thing, and if if it moves them to an action, and that action, of course, is is elections. The the yeah. idea that they will vote not for Democrats in in because you would just go with with the uh, with with the averages there. The the idea that they won't vote for Democrats because they know they need more oil and gas production, or at least the removal of the regulations to be, to be able to drill properly, etc. What are the odds that that's going to happen? Are, 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 as you see it, if you were advising people based on this polling, based on uh, your own study, is this the winning argument to gain voters for the Republican Party? It is one of the winning arguments because here's the deal. Polls consistently show, this poll was didn't survey this, but polls consistently show that no matter how bad climate change is, when it's compared to other issues people face, it ranks dead last or second to last. When they go to the polls, they vote on, do, do I have a job? Can I afford my bills? How are the schools? Uh, are we in a war? How's the defense? Uh, is crime up in my neighborhood? Climate change ranks way down the list. So we were just looking at climate change in isolation with oil and gas. But when you lump it in with all the other things people vote on, my suspicion is climate change is not going to be first and foremost for most voters, even 18 to 30 girls. So, I mean, okay, so you're making actually a different argument than, than I was asking a question of. And it's not about you even have to convince them. It's just not the thing that is moving them at the polls. That is simply dreadful, dreadful, dreadful news uh, for uh, the the progressive left. But it does lead you to a question that, you know, when it, I, I don't, I have never thought that the politically the right should avoid conversations about uh, the the environment. It's one thing to note that we're not all going to die tomorrow. It's another thing to note places where we can do better. Does that ever come up in 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 polling that you see or in conversations that you're engaged with that there are maybe more practical solutions and concepts uh, to some of the things that we're dealing with? Well, you know, polls show that a lot of people favor renewable energy, and uh, they they favor supporting renewable energy over taxes on carbon emissions and and taxes on oil and gas. Uh, but polls consistently show, you know, most people won't even pay ten dollar an extra ten dollars a year, an extra one dollar or two dollars a month for electricity to fight climate change. Overwhelmingly show that. So uh, that's positive to me as far as. You know, polls show, let's, let's find common ground. Oh, well, we all want renewable energy. The truth is, I think the more people learn about wind and solar, industrial wind and solar, the less they're inclined to support it. But it's an educated process. Look, they've had 40 years to, to indoctrinate on climate change. They've had 30 years of good indoctrination on the virtues of wind and solar. And uh, – only a little bit has the message gotten out that, look, if you care about the environment, if you care about birds, if you care about endangered species, all these things that environmentalists are supposed to care about, you shouldn't be supporting wind and solar. If you care about reliable electricity, we had, we had a wake-up call in the winter in Texas. Winter is not our peak energy system. Uh, I'm, I'm here in Texas. Winter is not our peak electric power demand. Summer is, these hot summers. But we had an energy shortfall, and it was largely due to the large influx of wind and solar power onto the Texas electric grid. And that was a wake-up call for legislators and the public alike. 
And I think, you know, California has it every summer, and there are new reports out saying California is going to wind up hundreds of thousands of homes short right. of electric power because they've shut down. You know, at one time the electric power grid was designed by they- engineers. Now it's designed by politicians. Who Absolutely, and and hopefully for them, enough people have moved out that they'll be okay, but they're not going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> Steve, Sterling Burnett, Ph.D., director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy, managing editor of Environment and Climate News at heartland.org. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz.